Welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you this evening, sir? Cade, I'm doing well. I thought it was going to be another or or a kind of short news week, but that just never happens. We say it every week. We're going to run out of things to talk about, run out of questions. We get great listener questions. We get news, mostly recruiting and stuff like that, but a ton of other stuff as well. So just jam-packed as always. How are you? I- I'm good. I feel like we should just stop saying it because we're gonna find something. I mean, it, if it's a if it's a crumble, we're we're talking about it, and I love that you you don't get it anywhere else. So I love doing it. It's uh it's unique and uh yeah, it it keeps me uh out of the off season blues because I, I just I love talking football and do it every week, and then all of a sudden we're gonna look up. I keep saying this, but it is the middle of June, and it is going to be football soon. Yeah, and I think it's fun to outside of football season to do some of this stuff because like you yeah. said, it's it's hard to find places where they give kind of this full and I'm not I'm not saying we're great at it or anything, but like the full rundown, which is what I as an OSU fan like to have, right. just to kind of be in the know. And right. even though you and I maybe not be well versed in every sport we're talking about, it's fun to just kind of even just for us, kind of get this info and well, yeah. into our own brains and put it out there. Yeah, hundred percent. So hopefully you guys enjoyed as well. We had a lot of listener questions come in both last week and this week. We'll get to as many as we can today. These off season podcasts, we're gonna try to contain ourselves a little bit. We, you know, Dustin and I. I mean, we've been doing this for three years now. It uh, we we it doesn't take a lot to get us long winded. So uh, we're gonna try to <laughs> give your ears a break over the off season without missing anything. Because Dustin, you and I our snap streak is still alive. Like you and I have not missed a week since we started this thing in 2021. So we're not stopping now. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Now we haven't both been on the pod. So I feel like you have to put an asterisk there. No way. I'm in marketing. Uh, No way. No, I'm I'm in marketing. Who cares? But yeah, the streak is still alive. You're right. Well, do you want to pop into it with, uh, I do. We normally start with some of this kind of NFL other news, but we have some, sponsor news i think we wanted to hit did you want to tell us a little bit about that nicely done there my friend nice segue yes i do we normally you know talk about home field we we've got our usual ad but i think this week deserves a little bit of a different type of uh setting for them early on in the podcast they've got a drop of 13 new pieces coming on saturday that's saturday what is that dustin june 17th i believe that's going to be and they've teased four options. I've got a throwback quarter zip with the throwback OSU logo. Uh, I'm, I'm digging the bright orange, orange power shirt. I absolutely, that's an instant cop right there. Uh, <laughs> it's outstanding. And I was wondering when the next refresh was coming. You know, we get some info, but we didn't get that info. So this was a nice surprise. And uh, yeah, just a big thank you to our, our friends at Homefield Pro who have been so good to us and the network. And uh, yeah, Dustin, I, I don't know about you. Did, you. did you see anything that catches your eye? I really, You mentioned it already, but I really liked that black quarter zip with yeah. the old school OSU Pretty logo good. on it. I think I'm going to have to get that. And the shirts are great as well. It's good to have, you know, that kind of steady rotation of different tees to wear to your Oklahoma State sporting events that you're attending. So you don't have to keep wearing the same one over and over like I used yeah. to. But thanks to home field. I don't have to do that anymore. And Cade, if you use code FEELS12, you'll get 15% off your order. We tweeted it out on the Twitter handle as well, so you can go check it out there. It's just capital F-E-E-L-S with the number 12 behind it, FEELS12. So that'll get you a little discount on this new drop. Well done, Dustin. You're a natural. I'll flip it to you. <laughs> okay, so Cade, NFL other news, we've been hitting that. Just a couple quick things. I'll run through them, get your take on it. The CFL starting up. I I, I always forget that <laughs> the CFL kind of runs in the summertime, but I believe they kicked off last week. And so I just kind of wanted to run through a couple of the guys or all the guys that are on current 
CFL rosters. One of them actually surprised me. So Drew Brown, Taylor Cornelius, Derek Moncrief, Shane Richards, and this was a surprise to me, Israel Antwine. I thought he maybe was going to stick around in the NFL for a little bit. It just didn't seem like that was the path he wanted to go, that teams wanted to go, and I think he's going to, you know, I think he's going to be good in the CFL because I thought he was a really good player, someone that I thought should have maybe stayed at Oklahoma State a little bit longer, but he made the decision to leave, and now he's in the CFL. Kind of one of those guys that was so strong that he's going to be able to play somewhere, and I didn't know if it would be in the NFL. CFL seems like a place he can stick around, and who knows? Maybe he figures something out and can make the leap. You don't see that a whole lot, but, I mean, we just saw Marcel Aitman. I'm having trouble keeping up. Was it from the USFL into the NFL, or was it XFL? XFL, yeah. So there you go, and, and you know, who knows with Israel Antoine? That's great news. Yeah, and CFL, if you never watched it, very interesting. They have some different rules, the kind of motion that the wide receivers can be in is pretty interesting to watch, pretty tough for the defensive back. So different field layout as well. So check it out. Those guys will be there. I think that was five guys I listed yeah. off, two of them quarterbacks. So well, and Darius, I know, has been doing really well in the CFL. Derek Moncrief. Hello with the that's a that's an old school name. That's an old friend yeah. alert, isn't it? When was he at OSU? Is that 2017, 18? Yeah, it was a while ago now. And yeah. I, Honestly, Shane Richards, I think he was like first round draft yeah. pick in the CFL. Yeah, follower that feels like 45 pod, by the way, Shane Richards. So shout out. Um, Great yeah, player. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pull up, but uh, I, Derek Moncrief has not been at Oklahoma State for several years. He's 29 now. Uh, and he, yeah, he was undrafted in 2017. So good for him figuring out a way to stay in the game. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's great to kind of keep up with those guys. If if anything cool comes out of the CFL this year, we'll keep it locked. And yeah, as, we'll give as we CFL always mix. do. <laughs> so, uh, moving on, okay, Tevin Jenkins, former Oklahoma State offensive lineman, really, really solid former Oklahoma State offensive lineman, is with the Chicago Bears. We, we all know when he got drafted, second round, 2021 NFL draft, everybody thought he was going to kind of play right away, had some injury issues with his back. There was a regime change with the Chicago Bears. Now he's going to be playing guard, left guard, it sounds like. And it sounds like that position change is going really well. And I, I think there's a chance he's the starting left guard for the Chicago Bears moving into this season. Wow. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. I feel like going from tackle to guard, you should, it feels like a natural transition rather than guard to tackle. So, I mean, I'm not surprised Jenkins was head over, you know, head and shoulders, uh, the best offensive lineman on campus for his time at Oklahoma State. This is not surprising. Hopefully he can stay healthy as it's been a challenge for him. Yeah, because he's very, very talented and talented enough to play pretty much anywhere on the offensive line, as we see. So (laughs) this one is not really that notable. I just wanted to ask you if you knew this league existed. Calvin Bundage, a highlight was kind of, circulating on Twitter of him with an interception. He's a member of the Massachusetts and Calvin Bundage, former Oklahoma state defensive end linebacker hybrid, kind of that star position for the Massachusetts pirates of the indoor football league. It was a video of him getting an interception. This league started in 2008, 14 teams and Tulsa actually has one. The Tulsa Oilers kid. I didn't know that this league existed. Did you really not? That's pretty interesting. I knew, that, I knew that there was an arena football league, but I didn't know that they changed the name to this indoor football well, league. Well, yeah, see, now I'm like, okay, well, maybe I didn't because I knew arena I've football. I've been to arena football thing. league game. Yeah, yeah, because, like, I mean, I grew up, uh, I never went to a game, but I grew up in Wichita, and the Wichita Wild were, like, a huge, I, I should not say they were a huge deal. They were there, and everybody else was everywhere else, but the Wichita Wild was a team there but not in that league. So the Tulsa Oilers, though, are in that league that you're talking about. Yeah, so I, I'm a, I'm guessing it's just a name change, and I could be completely wrong. Maybe it was always called the Indoor Football League, but I don't, I don't remember ever seeing an IFL. I remember if there we, was the Arena Football League. Yeah, now I'm, I have zero idea. And if we have any uh, savants of indoor football that listen to the podcast, a little you know brief rundown of the history would be helpful there. <laughs> 
and the, all these leagues kind of just go in and out and merge together. But right. Speaking of crazy rules, arena football league is wild. <laughs> Obviously the field is shorter and it is straight chaos, but shout out to Calvin bondage, finding a, finding a spot in, in continuing to play football. Yeah. I mean, I I've actually wondered about Calvin bondage, uh, not, not too long ago. He was so talented at Oklahoma state, but it seemed like there were some issues that we never really got resolved and he just kind of disappeared. So again, it's always good to see these guys sticking around the game. It's that meme. I'll do a visual meme for you where the girl and the guy are laying in bed and it's you and your wife. And she's like, I bet he's thinking about other girls and you're thinking about Calvin bondage. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm texting you trying to figure out the, the actual merger between the AFL and the IFL. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> All right, spent probably too long on the IFL, but wanted to get your take on that. Last note, Cade, before we move into current Oklahoma State football, Terry Miller is going to join yeah. the Oklahoma State football ring of honor. I think you and I thought they were going to go defense next. So former running back, Terry Miller, I think you got to put Leslie O'Neill in there at some point because it's all offense right now with Thurman and Barry. But uh, Terry Miller is a great selection, two-time All-American. I think he was a... Uh, Heisman Trophy finalist twice. I think he was second in 97, fourth in 76, or 77 and 76. And I think there's only, I looked this up in, I think it was in the Oklahoma State official release, but only 23 running backs in college football history have logged wow. two top four Heisman finishes. Yeah, I mean, he is kind of an Oklahoma State legend. And I think if... Barry Sanders and Thurman Thomas weren't on the same team at the same time. I wonder where Terry Miller would be thought of among the Oklahoma state legends. I mean, I, apparently he's already, you know, top three, four, five, but I, I wonder because those two guys obviously kind of overshadow and, and steal the show. So yeah, that's pretty cool, man. I, I, I don't have much else to comment on it, but I thought that they were going defense as well. And I don't know when, you know, this thing stops. They're going to run out of room at some point unless they build the upper deck, right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how they maneuver this along. I think, too, Kate, with what you said on kind of being overshadowed by Barry and Thurman, not only with the Oklahoma State career, but both of them had prolific NFL careers as yeah. well, where I believe Terry was only in the NFL for three or four years after being selected, like, fifth overall wow. pick in the by the wow. Buffalo Bills. So I think that that's a great point by you, but it kind of led on to NFL as well. But yeah, I, I still I'm gonna still guess Leslie O'Neill is next. I, I would like to throw out that you and I would be willing to accept a you know joint admission to the ring of honor. Doesn't have to be like me yes. individually and you. Like we would do it together. I just felt like I should say that. Yeah, maybe put it next to the nineteen forty five national champions. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you could rip that out and just repurpose, and I don't know if anybody would notice. So I, I like it. <laughs> I love that as well. Okay, some Oklahoma State current football news, Cade. We have we talked about this last week. We've got the camps, the padded camps going on this week. The down and dirty lineman camp was yesterday, so Tuesday, June 13th. The skill camp with the wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks, that was – Today, so I haven't seen many notes coming out of the skill camp, but a lot of good stuff coming out of the down and dirty lineman camp. And then the summer strength, speed, and conditioning program for Oklahoma State is underway as well. The newcomers gathered, uh, this according to Polk's report, the newcomers gathered on Thursday for testing. So they were sized, hand, arm, wingspan, weighed, and had their height checked. And then they did the vertical jump, 40-yard dash, bench. So basically like a combine and other drills. Those numbers are private. Obviously, they weren't released. And then the newcomers joined in on Thursday night with the first metabolic workout involving the entire team inside of Boone Pickens Stadium. Then on Friday, the veteran. So this was last week, sorry. The vet, then on Friday, the veteran and returning players, along with the newcomers, did the first Friday morning stadium steps workout, which sounds miserable. Oh, the newcomers God. were kept separate, but I, as they start to go along in the summer, they'll kind of be put back together. One note, Jarrett Henry, the Trinity Valley community college offensive lineman who Oklahoma state picked up after Caleb Etienne entered the transfer portal. He looks good. Apparently physically in shape. He was able to go through all the workouts with the veteran offensive lineman with no real issues. So it's 
that's pretty awesome. And then they're going to go on throughout the summer. Wednesdays are the off day or makeup day, depending on how, you know, weather. And then there's a break in between the summer sessions around July 4th. Fall camp starts on August 2nd. Yeah, that's great news on Jake Henry. I mean, that's not always the case, especially with a JUCO transfer. You're coming from much, um, you know, it's it's a, it's several steps down in terms of strength and conditioning. And we've seen this at Oklahoma State in the not too uh, distant past that they've gotten burnt on, you know, a you know, poorly conditioned offensive line, specifically a couple of transfers that come in and not ready to go. So this is good news. And and I, I wonder what he's going to be able to contribute this year. He's kind of a guy I've got circled to see, you know, is he a depth piece? Can he crack his way into, you know, the a rotation, whether it's, you know, is he the eighth man, the seventh man? We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting one for sure. It just adds to the depth, like you said, and the fact that, Going into all camp with Dalton Cooper now back, which we'll address in a question later, with all of your offensive linemen, whereas last year you had none of them. Ah, feels so good. I'm not going to uh, think too far ahead. This has gotten us burnt in the past, and uh, Oklahoma State's dealt with injuries up there for so long that we'll see how it goes, but it's good news. I mean, you'll take it. Yeah, and then the last note I wanted to hit on current football team before we get to recruiting, Robert Allen reported this on his radio show, and I believe it's also been mentioned on a couple national podcasts due to some of the kind of workouts that some of the more high-profile college players have been doing in between the end of spring and the start of summer. But Allen Bowman, Brennan Presley, I, I think it was all of the Oklahoma State kind of receivers in that top group, Presley, Owens, Bray, Stribling, Green, Shetron, Roman took them out to San Diego to work out together. They apparently were all kind of staying together. I know there was other guys like uh, Jefferson from Arkansas, the wide receiver from over there that was there. But they were working out all together. RA said he heard that it went really well. They're working on timing and different things. Not a shot at Spencer Sanders at all because he'd been with a lot of these guys for a while. So they'd been working on timing during the season and things like that. But I thought this was pretty cool. And you can tell yeah. that Bowman is completely bought in. We'll see how it plays out on the field. We'll see how his health goes. But the fact that he was able to even talk these guys into leaving their home when they could be on this break, working out at home with their families, going to San Diego and working out together is pretty awesome. I mean, it it says a lot about what he's been able to, the message he's been able to get across to them. It's so much easier to not go to San Diego and do that. But uh, especially with a guy that you probably just met a couple of months ago when he's going to be your quarterback. And you, I mean, that that's not always a, a um, diplomatic type of situation. And uh, it's good to see that. I, I'm kind of bullish on Alan Bowman this year. I mean, I think he's got weapons at his disposal. I feel like he's going to have an offensive line. And if he's got this level of edge to him, I, I don't know, man, I'm not going to say it, but I, I think it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, I think people are going to look back, our our tens of listeners are going to look back at your prediction earlier this season about this wide receiver group possibly being better than last year's and call you a genius, a, a mind of the ages, if you will. I I, I feel like, uh, I mean, obviously, you, you know ball better than I do, but offensive line, like I just listen to you. That's, that's sort of what I do. Let you roll with it. <laughs> But I've been pretty spot on with wide receivers over the last couple oh, yeah. of years. I feel like I've got that kind of on it. So we'll see. I'm not saying I agree, but I, I hope I'm right. I think they're going to be really, really good. I, I think obviously running back and offensive line and run game overall, like you mentioned, is the question mark. But I thought that was awesome. Wanted to shout it out. From going to the practice, from having our buddy, our extreme camp buddy, go to the practice right after me, and from everything we've heard about Alan Bowman, I just really, I'm really, really excited for this season and kind of see what he can do. And I think he's, he personally is getting me too hyped up. So Alan <laughs> Bowman, if you let me down, this was all on you. I've heard good things and you have too. And uh, I think that's enough for me to get pretty pumped about this year. Over six and a half, no question. Yeah. And that was a question uh, Twitter question later. We can oh. go ahead and we'll shout him out. My, my bad. <laughs> Obviously, we, we're both going over. So we'll, we'll get to our actual prediction when we hit that later. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Cade, moving on to recruiting. 
wanted to hit first some big positive news. Absolutely. We've been waiting on this one. You know, yes. we heard that there was a silent commit. You and I heard it was David Cabongo. We mentioned on here that yes, we, we, did. we thought it was David Cabongo. <laughs> Luckily, that came to fruition because we don't like to lead the listeners astray. But we were told with pretty pretty positivity, like 100% positive that David Cabongo was going to commit at some point. He's the 2024 safety, 5'10", 175 pounds from Byron Nelson High School in Trophy Club, Texas. Three-star, number 76 safety, number 114 rated player in Texas. I believe his official visit starts either today or tomorrow. So he's going to be on the official visit after he committed. This moved. This only moved Oklahoma State up a few spots. I think they're number 41 in the 2024 team rankings, fourth in the Big 12. The Big 12 rankings have to be taken with a little bit of a grain of salt because Texas Tech is in first, but that's because they have 10 commits, right. whereas OSU has seven, OU has six. You know, Texas farther down doesn't have as many as well. This past season, Cabongo recorded 64 tackles, 41 solo, two tackles for loss, one forced fumble, fumble recovery, and two interceptions. His top five was Indiana, KU, Oklahoma State, SMU, and UTSA. He went on an official visit to Kansas, and then I, I, obviously I don't think he's going to make any more. I think it kind of came down to Oklahoma State and Kansas is what you and I had heard. They extended the offer back on January 18th. Just looking into him a little bit more, he's a multi-sport guy, competes in track and field. I I could only find his 200 and 100 meter times. I never saw a 40 yard dash, but if you convert his 100 meter into a 40 yard dash, it'd probably be around like a four six. So really fast. He's going to be a December graduate, so he should be here to enroll early, be here for next spring. And overall, Kate, I really really like Kamongo. Guy we were pretty high on and and hoping that Oklahoma State would land. I, I think he's going to end up being one of those guys that you look back on and he's your kind of prototypical Mike Gundy recruit. We talk about this a lot, but they don't all develop at the same rate. I, I just feel like it's a Jason Taylor type of recruit here. He's got the physical tools. He's got the size. He's got the speed. I really don't know what he doesn't do well enough to be a, you know, a higher rated recruit. I, I just don't know if he's flown under the radar or what, but I do think we're going to look back on him specifically and, and, and think good things. Yeah. And I love that one of Nardo's first offers out right. when he got here was to Cabongo and he has him for the road safety position. That's which is got position to say something. <laughs> yeah. That's got to say something, right? It was like the first guy that he really liked at the position he specifically coaches. Yeah. That's a good sign. Good sign for recruiting. Yeah, so Oklahoma State now has seven commitments in the 2024 class. Cabongo would be the fourth rated behind Landon Cleveland, Jalen Bordley, and Willie Nelson. And he's the fifth commit from Texas. I believe all the others are offensive linemen. He plays in a three-high system, kind of playing that center fielder free safety role. I think he could definitely play the rover. I like his cover skills as well, though. I even think he could play cornerback if needed. Very fluid hips, moves well. Like I said, he's fast. I think skill set wise, you could compare him to like a Ladarius Webb, even. He's pretty yeah. versatile, even though we haven't seen Webb play a lot just from watching the film. So I really like this guy. I'm glad they picked him up. I know it doesn't move the rankings very much, but I think it moves the rankings in you and I's hearts very much. <laughs> Which is all that matters. I mean, we know this thing. Oklahoma State's not going to be as high as you'd like him to be in the rankings. That's just how it goes. Yeah, for sure. One offer I wanted to mention, there'd been a couple that went out, but I just wanted to hit one specifically that I think is very notable. And it just recently happened at the down and dirty lineman camp. Armstrong in Notum, 2024 edge, 6'2", 260 pounds from Mesquite Horn High School in Mesquite, Texas. He's a three-star, the number 88 rated edge and number 166 rated player in Texas. He's currently committed to Rice, and he's been committed since February 2nd. Got 14 other offers, uh, mostly smaller schools, Arkansas State, Austin P, Buffalo, UT UTSA, Louisiana Tech, some FCS programs. He's been, he went to the SMU camp recently, and then he came to the Down and Dirty Lineman camp and I guess just blew the oh, coaches wow. away. He met Robert Allen reported on Pokes Report that he met with Greg Richmond and Brian Nardo, the defensive line and defensive coordinator for Oklahoma State after the camp, spoke to him for a long time. And I guess they gave him an offer 
right then and there. And since then, so this was yesterday, he's picked up a crystal ball from 247 national writer, Brian Peroni. And Kate, I think this is your next commit for Oklahoma State. Armstrong and Nova, I think he's going to flip from Rice. And I think he will be committed, I'd say, pretty soon. The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is because Oklahoma State offered and because he doesn't have any other real big power five offers that other teams try to jump in right now. And that could maybe you know, upset this prediction that I'm having. But from what I've heard, it sounds like he, Oklahoma state is going to land this guy. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. That's, I mean, more depth on the offensive line, always a good deal, but uh sounds like the guys for, for real. Yeah. He's a play some defensive tackle, some defensive end. Obviously he's probably a little too small, to play defensive tackle at the, his current size, but I think he's a guy that can kind of move around. Did I say you can even line? add. Yeah. No, 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 no worries. And you could even, I mean, maybe you could bulk him up a little bit from his 260 and get him to play that three tech, five tech style. But I really like him. I love that Oklahoma State, I, I love whenever they get any kind of defensive lineman. So I think this is pretty big time. Yeah, absolutely. Official visits wise, we talked about some guys who recently visited Carlin Jones. We talked about him last week, the three-star defensive lineman in 2024 from Bay City. Malik Esquera, three-star safety from Shoemaker High School. We talked about his visit already, but I wanted to add a note. He actually visited twice in the past two weeks because on one of his visits, his mom couldn't make it. So he went back to Oklahoma State twice. So I have a good feeling about Malik Esquera. He says he's going to visit Nebraska and Texas Tech, and that'll finish his visits. And then he'd like to make a decision after that, when originally I think he was going to wait until the fall. I really, I think they're trending well for Esquera. So I like that. And then the last note before we get into the people that we haven't talked about yet, Davian Dotson, the four-star Duncanville cornerback, was supposed to officially visit Oklahoma State, but he's rescheduled for later this month. Hopefully that's a true reschedule and not a sign that he's going to commit elsewhere because you, you and I both like Dotson a lot. Did, what, is Texas the rumor there or, or is that somebody else? That's, that's kind of what I thought we talked about. I, Dotson has. Yeah. And Texas, I think there's like all the big yeah, time. Power all, five anybody? Are in on yeah. him. I think LSU is in on him as well. So it's, it's one that I think Oklahoma State was in a good spot for, but this makes me a little nervous. But maybe I don't know the reason. So maybe he rescheduled it for a, a reason like a true scheduling conflict. But this, unlike, you know, some of the commits we've talked about recently, this four star commit, and I don't know, I know some people don't care about recruiting rankings. I don't think you should put all your stock in that into that. But for the people that do care a lot, this one would move the needle. Yeah. Oh, no question. Absolutely. It'd be screenshotted on Twitter, uh, 100%. But back to Escuela, I agree with you on the bringing your mom on a visit thing. We saw that with, uh, I think it was Javon Small, who just committed to Oklahoma State basketball, canceled his visit to be able to bring his mom and then committed. So I like where your head's at. <laughs> I'm just going to run through a few official visits, just kind of recapping, because these are guys we've all talked about before. Jonathan Agumadu, the 2024 linebacker, 6'2", 220 pounds from McKinney High School in McKinney, Texas. Not rated at this time. He's going to be on his visit this week. They offered him back in mid-May. Our guy, Kate, I figured out how to say his name. I saw an article where they wrote out the pronunciation. It's Maya Leuwaki Smith, the quarterback, 2024, 6'4", 195 pounds from Junipero Serra High School in San Mateo. We have confirmed that that June 14th through 16th official visit is true. We mentioned it last week that we heard it was possible. Polk's report has confirmed that he will be visiting starting today. I think this is the guy that Oklahoma State really wants as quarterback, and I, I love him from the film I've watched. He's the number 31 rated overall quarterback in the country. This would be big time. I know he's going to take some other visits, but hopefully this one goes well. Yeah. I mean, when you like a quarterback, I like a quarterback. That's usually my golden rule. <laughs> You've got Ja'Kyle Baker, the 2024 four-star wide receiver, 6'2", 170 pounds from Brownsboro High School in Brownsboro, Texas. He will be on his visit soon. He's also going to be visiting K-State and I think Nebraska as well. So another one to keep an eye on there. Devin Jordan. The 2024 cornerback, 5'11", 168 pounds from Tulsa Union, three-star cornerback. He just recently finished his visit. Sorry, uh, Baker just finished his visit as well. Brandon Presley was his host. 
Devin Jordan just finished his visit to Kelvion Beeman was his host. He was on a three-day visit. Both of those guys seem to really like their visit. I think Devin Jordan is an OU lean. He's the number four player in Oklahoma. Maybe this visit has him thinking Oklahoma State over OU, so we'll kind of see. But this dude is blazing fast. If you convert his 100-meter time of 29.93, or sorry, 10.71 to the 40-yard dash, that would come out to a 4.47 oh, yeah. 40-yard dash. So this is some speed here. So we'll kind of see how that goes. But, Kate, okay, those are all the notes I have on recruiting this week. I would pay attention with all those camps. You'll definitely see some official visits getting locked in. You'll definitely see some commitments, some yep. new offers. And obviously with July 1st, that kind of five visits, five official visits rule going out the window, you'll surely see a bunch of visits signed up after that. Yeah, I mean, that critical change to the rules right there. But you're right. I think there's already been, we've heard, there's a little smoke around some existing potential commitments, plural. So we'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, 100%. Dustin, thank okay. you for all that. Yeah, that was great. I think we're done. I think we can go to our new, like, kind of all-encapsulating roundup, which now will include <laughs> baseball and softball. I will just let you keep talking, and at some point, I'll I'll just chime in. How about that? <laughs> I know. It's a little annoying for me to keep going, but I'm definitely going to get your take on this next one. Yeah. We talked baseball coaching staff last week, and we know some people would like Rob Walton, the pitching coach, to be gone, Josh Holiday, the head coach, to be gone. Not much heard about Justin Seeley, the assistant coach and recruiting coordinator who has decided to retire after two seasons on the Cowboy coaching staff. Seeley was at Texas A&M for 12 seasons before joining Coach Holiday. He was the recruiting coordinator for the Aggies that made four super regionals and a pair of college world series. Oklahoma State has volunteer assistant Robin Ventura and student assistant Jordy Mercer. They can promote either of those guys. And then also starting in July for both baseball and softball, you'll be able to add a third assistant co- or sorry, a fourth assistant coach. So you could add even another, you lose Sealy, but even with Sealy, you could have added somebody else. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Cause they really only have a Walton that's truly on staff right now. Was the Sealy news shocking to you? Do you have any hot takes on maybe why do you think well i don't suggested ventura mercer to be promoted i'm not really sure that's my immediate first thought but i hate to speculate on the reason anybody's not at their current role when i have no clue why um it is surprising just the amount of time he spent in college station versus the amount of time he spent here but i feel like would you have Robin Ventura on your bench and you have to figure out a little more creative way to maybe keep him around Stillwater? You do that. And same goes for Jordy Mercer. Both of those guys, critical to keep in Stillwater as long as you can. So I I definitely think that there's probably something to that. And sorry, let me correct that. It's it's a head coach plus three assistants. So four total coaches will be the rule change, whereas opposed to two previously. So they basically got to add two. Because they only have Walton. So there you go. There's your two right there. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be interesting kind of to see how that goes. Two transfer portal pickups for Oklahoma State. I haven't seen anybody else enter the portal. D1 Baseball does a good job of kind of keeping track of this. One of, the, one of these transfer portal pickups for Oklahoma State is listed on D1 Baseball. One of them was announced on Twitter, and it's not up on their site yet. The first one, Robert Kranz from Wichita State. He'll, he'll be a junior next year. 6'3", right-handed pitcher, 3.98 ERA in 19 appearances this season. 19 appearances this season. None of those were starts. He's a bullpen guy. 31 innings pitched, 43 strikeouts, 12 walks, only a 244 batting average against. I think this is pretty awesome. You talked about, Cade, Oklahoma State needs to just keep stocking up that pitching staff because we saw the inconsistencies inconsistency there. And I think Kranz is a big pick. This one gives me eyeball emojis a little bit too. I mean, I, I, I think he's a great pickup in his own right, but I have a little bit of an inkling that this may not be the only Wichita state transfer that Oklahoma state makes a serious run at. The only reason I'm saying this is because which one Wichita state is in, in the midst of a mass exodus, like you've never seen. That it's a huge deal going on up there as they've had coaching turnover, didn't elevate the interim into a full-time role and everybody left. 
So Peyton Toll, two-way player out of Wichita State, is in the transfer portal. He's from UConn, and he was a superstar for Wichita State. I'm not saying there's something, but I don't think that there's nothing. And this would be like getting a Carson Binge who's more established as right. a pitcher. And right. I believe he would be a senior next year, I think. But 4.62 ERA and 85.2 innings pitched, 14 starts. He was primarily their Saturday guy, but pitched some Fridays as well. And at the plate, he hit 311 with 13 homers and 50 RBIs. Yeah, so kind of a freak, right? Back yes. to Kranz, though. Huge depth piece to your to your rotation, and and probably not really a depth piece. He's going to be in your rotation, I would think. Yeah, I agree. And then they also picked up another right-handed pitcher, Bryce Hudgens from McNeese. He underwent Tommy John surgery in two uh, in 2022. He missed that the remainder of that season, and then didn't make his first appearance this season until April. Hmm. Pitched 16 innings, five games with a 2.81 ERA. Uh, in 2022, and then this year he pitched. Or sorry, yeah, that was this year. 11 Ks, three walks. In 2021, though, he made eight, 13 appearances, eight starts, went two and three with a 3.19 ERA, which was one of the best on the team, and held opponents to a 2.47 batting average. I think this is a guy that you work into the rotation. Another just kind of depth piece here. I think Kranz is probably a little bit bigger of a splash, and then obviously a guy like Tole would be. Big time, but I like the pickup of Hudgens. I like that they're trying to make some moves yeah. in the pitching room because I think that's Have what to. we wanted them to do. Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, I love that the first couple guys out of the portal are pitchers. It, it at least shows that the focus is where we feel like it should be. And uh, yeah, that's, I guess, all you can ask for right now. But I, I still think that they've they've got some work to do in terms of firepower there. I, I still don't, I mean, they've got plenty of guys to need to go get. Yeah, I agree. Uh, quick note, Carson Binge and Nolan Schubert were named to the 2023 NCBWA Freshman All-America second team. Schubert was already on the collegiate baseball Freshman All-America team, so this is his second nomination and award for that, so it's pretty awesome. I'd keep an eye, Cade, on Christian Incarnacion Strand, former Oklahoma State baseball yeah. player. He is on fire right now with the Louisville bats, the red triple a team. And if you Google his name, all the articles are, when will the reds call up Christian Encarnacion strand? He was player of the week recently. He was the UPS player of the month. So pretty awesome. I would keep an eye there. He could be the next kind of Oklahoma state guy to make a splash in the big leagues. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, he was, <laughs> the bat was hot in Stillwater with, with Encarnacion strands. So that's fantastic. I uh, I don't know if I would have considered him to be a major league prospect one day, but again, his bat was so good at times that it's hard to, I guess, not see how it's possible. Yeah, I agree. I just wanted to mention to a bunch of guys from Oklahoma State playing summer baseball in the Cape Cod League for the Chatham Anglers, which is the team that Tom Holiday manages, oh, Josh wow. Holiday's father. You've got Binge, Miola, Schubert, Gabe Davis, and then a guy we talked about recently on the podcast, Xavier Casarella, the JUCO commit out of Seminole, who's going to bring some power to the plate. And then right-handed pitcher Brian Holiday, he's a JUCO commit out of Central Florida. It's a guy we didn't talk about last week, Cade, but in JUCO last year, he was 10-0 with a 3.07 ERA. Oh, nice. And 141 Ks, which was first in JUCO. So maybe this is a guy you can instantly insert into the starting rotation. One other note on the Cape Cod League, you got guys like Earhart, Phillips, Kiesel, but Isaac Stebbins is with the, the Harbor Hawks. That's a good sign that he may be back because he's a guy who, since he played Juco, could yeah. go pro. But since he's playing in Cape Cod, he may be back. Uh, in the Appalachian League, you've got Michael Benzer, Phoenix Meza, who's a highly regarded true freshman. You've got a couple other incoming freshmen in that league. And then the Northwoods League, you've got Ian Doherty playing for the Rochester Honkers. And then you've got Luke Fernandez, a freshman pitcher coming in out of Georgia, who's with the Wausau Woodchucks. So a lot of guys playing. It's awesome to see them kind of keep things going. One name I didn't see, he played for Chatham last year, Rock Riggio. Cade, I'm starting to think more and more he's going to get a good draft grade, get drafted high, and he's going to be gone. Whoa. I did not expect you to leave the, me with that. That's uh, That would be disappointing, but understandable. 
I mean, he's going to be he's going to be highly sought after. There's no question. And remember, he can enter because he will be 21, 28 days before the draft. Not be, and he hasn't been in college at a four year university for three years. But because he'll be 21, he can enter. Yeah, I we did. I didn't like it last week when we talked about it. I like it less right now. <laughs> All right, moving on to softball. Pitching coach John Barkfelt retiring. This is a guy that has coached. Carrie Everly, Miranda Ellish, Kelly yeah. Maxwell, Lexi Kilfoyle into all conference, all Americans. He started working with Kyra Acock this season. He's been kind of all over the place in regards to coaching. He was a head coach at Tulsa for a while. I believe he was at a smaller college for a while after that. I didn't know this. Apparently he's 67 years old. So I is think this really? is a true he looks retirement. Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That I, I think I heard that on Robert Allen's radio show, but I think he's he's been gone from the team for a little while now. But it was just recently announced that he was retiring this week. I think he's been gone for two weeks now. It's he's been with the team since 2019 when they hired him from Tulsa. A guy that you and I liked, Kenny Gajewski called him one of the best pitch callers in college softball. Mm. It's a little worrisome. I, I hope none of the pitchers enter the transfer portal because of this. I don't think they will. But with the new assistant coach position being added, like I just mentioned, we were talking baseball. You've only have Whitney Clower right now. That's full time because Vanessa Shippy Fletcher is a volunteer. So I don't know if you promote her and then go get somebody else. But there's going to be two spots on softball as well. Yeah, that's kind of wild, but I, I wondered what movement we would see. I mean, this I, I said it last week, you and I have talked about this, that it was a little bit of an end of an era with with Naomi and Factor leaving. Like it, it did feel like, even with the opportunity for Maxwell to return, like, I'm not saying I saw this coming. I'm just saying that it's easy to see how you could walk away and say, yeah, we, we, we've we've done four in a row. I, I think I'm ready, especially at you know, 67, probably ready to to rock yeah yeah i agree and then last note on softball we had bailey runner the sophomore pitcher she only pitched four innings in her career she didn't play at all in 2022 she has entered the transfer portal so i think it was expected that some of the younger pitchers were going to leave when kilfoyle maxwell and acock are all at this time coming back so you see somebody enter, but i don't think it's a huge loss there i think runner's a really good player i just don't think she was going to be playing again next yeah, I don't think so either. It's not really anybody that we've talked about a whole lot on this podcast this year. So, yeah, I, I think Oklahoma State will be all right. Anybody you're worried about with softball transferring, like that you just have this weird feeling? I don't think so. Not not at this time because there's so many open spots with right. Naomi, Becker, Factor, Tuck all leaving. I mean, there's four spots in the lineup right there yeah. that somebody's going to have to come in and play. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, maybe a little bit of worry with an ACOC, just the fact that Maxwell and Kilfoyer are both coming Still back. There. I would hate yeah. to see her leave. But anybody else on your end? No. I mean, I, I don't know where you go from Oklahoma State unless it's like, you know, Oklahoma or UCLA or something like that. But I feel like Oklahoma State's right there. So no, nobody that's, you know, kind of putting my spidey senses out there. Obviously, like, you know, I think Talon Edwards is I, I I still believe she's she's got like superstar type potential down the road. So she's obviously one that I'm looking at. And I I think even the news, not to talk about OU on this podcast, but like seeing Jordy Ball enter the transfer portal and leave uh to Nebraska maybe put it in my head that like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's just the nature of the game we live in now with all of college sports where everybody's kind of up for grabs. So. Yeah. Any, it, it wouldn't surprise me if anybody left from anywhere these yeah, days. So it's, it does it's just sometimes seem like there's no way that could happen. And then it does kind of like Spencer Sanders. Like <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That was kind of shocking up until it was, I was saying no and then shocking until it happened. So anyway, I digress. Spe speaking of not to go on a, off on a tangent and talk about other schools. Like we just said, you just said we weren't going to do it. Now I'm about to do it as well. Multiple reports coming out from the media around Ole Miss that Jackson Dart is going to be the starter. Spencer Sanders 
had a little bit of a weird tweet the other day. It was something about like bet, like bet on yourself, dot, dot, dot. And I wondered how that was going. I We thought Jackson Dart would give him a run, right? Like a well, real run. It, I don't think Spencer is fully recovered from the shoulder. I think maybe now, but he was not in the spring. I know he looked good in the spring game, but it sounds like the spring game might've been the highlight of his spring and that at practices that we couldn't see, there was some issues with him being able to fully throw the football for an entire length of practice. Well, there was a lot of highlights of him running in the spring game, which is not necessarily something like I would love to see. It's like, yeah, nobody can tackle you. Everybody, uh, yeah, of course you're running. So I don't know. I I wish the best for him, but uh, I just I still don't quite get it. By the way, last last side note, the SEC schedule for 2024 came out. And uh, puts OU in Texas in the conference. It's pretty interesting to look at. I, I, I'm not going to give them any more airtime, but it's interesting. It's going to be fun yeah. in football that year. Yeah, I got a text right before we aired that I think OU is going to be playing in Baton Rouge. They, they are. Are you going to go heckle yeah. them? Probably. Probably. So that was from an OU friend, and then I got one from a Baton Rouge friend as well that knows yeah. I despise OU. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I expect that out of you. <laughs> one last note, Cade, before we get to questions track wrapped up. So now we truly have no more sports active at this time. <laughs> the Oklahoma state's women's outdoor track and field completed its final day of competition at the NCAA outdoor championships in Austin, Texas. They placed two in the top five of their respective events. And I believe the cowgirls scored 12 points in the team standings which is enough for a tie for 22nd overall. It's the third consecutive season the Cowgirls tab more than 10 points in the team competition and the fifth time under director of track and field and cross-country Dave Smith. It's also the 10th time in program history the Cowgirls have placed 25th or better and the fourth time under Smith. So Dave Smith continues to crush it. The men also wrapped up their season with all three of their competitors earning All-American honors in their respective events. The Cowboys finished the competition with nine total points, tied for 27th place overall. It's the third straight year Oklahoma State has scored at the outdoor championship meet and the 12th time under director of track and field and cross country, Dave Smith. So shout out to Dave Smith, continues to crush it in a sport that doesn't always get the main headlines, but cross country and track. He coaches both the men, or he's the director of both the men and women. So pretty awesome to see that. Yeah, Dustin, thank you for that. It's good to see, especially, you know, obviously it's our podcast, but give some airwaves to the to the other sports going on across the landscape of OSU athletics. So I love doing it. I love getting to hear what all's going on and give the people their flowers that deserve them. They work hard too. So all right, Cade. We got questions. We didn't have any audio. These were all from Twitter. I think we we're gonna be able to hit quite a few of them. Maybe not hey. all, because we got a lot and we really appreciate it. Yeah, but, keep rolling. We do have an audio question. I'll get it pulled up oh, here, but I okay. think we do. Yeah. My bad. I missed that one. So I can I can start going with the Twitter and we can throw that one in yeah. if you want. Yeah, go All ahead. Right, first one is from CC at Cursive Cowboys. It says it would be awesome if y'all could debate on why we should be on the phone with the ORU baseball coach <laughs> and the other give us reasons to not move on from head coach Josh Holiday. I, I I see this argument, and I completely get it. Ryan Fulmer for ORU, he played at OSU, I think, from 94 to 97. He's been a great coach at ORU, but when you look at the overall accolades, I guess I'm, I'm going to argue the other. Like, I would take, like, if Josh Holiday decided to retire, Ryan Fulmer would be awesome and probably be the first name that I think of. Oh, for sure. But when you look, you know, prior to 2022, ORU had gone – four years without getting to a regional and to get to the regional, they just need to win their conference. Right. You know, which is a, a much walk. Yeah. Yes. A much smaller conference. So all that to say, you know, not that many regional appearances. I know they've been the past two years. I know they're in the college world series. Now I think it's a little bit of recency bias and the fact that he played at OSU. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. I'm just kind of giving the devil's advocate there. And on the side of Josh holiday, positive, 10 regionals in 10 years, four-time conference champs, college world series, three super regionals in those 10 years. And I think that one, that last one is the one that would be the negative. I think you need to go to three, more than three super regionals at Oklahoma state. And I think you need to go to more, 
than three super regionals when you've been to 10 regionals in the past yeah, 10 years. So that's it. I right myself, but because more super regionals gets you to the college world series more often, which is where Oklahoma state expects to be. I agree with you. The 30% super regional rate is in my head. Like a, I, I never quantified it, but that's not good. Like that's not a good one, especially when you've hosted several of those. However, I'm not, I'm not on camp fire Josh holiday. Oh, if me Oklahoma either. State did that. I would be just to kind of answer cursive Cowboys question for all those reasons that I listed off. And if they fired him, I would be really shocked. You could talk me into some staff changes, you know, yeah. maybe going for a younger pitching coach. I'm not saying I think Rob Walton should be fired right away. Obviously, like I, I just I, that one is one I could be talked into. It'd be tough to talk me into firing Josh Holiday after I just, this season. I just feel like, in general, I take the approach of you're going to need to show me multiple like seasons. Two is like a trend. Three is a pattern, and I like Josh Holiday has not done enough to to deserve to be fired. And it's kind of like Mike Gundy in my own mind too, like. It's one bad season, and I mean, you get on Twitter, and it's just a, a wasteland. Well, I mean, it's no different. And it was a bad end of the season. I mean, they right, won right. A it wasn't even a bad year, yeah. And they made right. the Big 12 Conference Tournament Championship game. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Thank you for even checking me on that. You are correct. It clearly has left a sour taste in people's mouth, but like, let's let's be rational here. Like, it, it's... I think it's a little ridiculous to, and I'm not cursive cowboy. Thank you for the question. I'm not saying this is you. This is just what I'm observing from afar. I think we just need to calm down a little bit. Yeah, I get both sides. I think it's just an maybe a little bit of an, in my opinion, a little bit of an overreaction to how the season ended. But Agreed. yes, if this trend continues on, then yeah. maybe we have some things to talk about. So, well, everybody would hate that, right? Yes. So, okay. Dustin, do we want to go ahead and get into the audio question? All right. Here's one from Lou Pineda, our old friend. Hey, boys. Big Lou here. Um, wanted to give you a, kind of an off-ball question since it's the off-season and everything. And I don't want to talk about uh, the teams because it's just going to increase my sadness about losing everything. But um wanted to ask what your, like, oddest Oklahoma State sighting has ever been. Like mine, me and my wife went to Hawaii and saw a, an Oklahoma State uh, fan in the pool in Hawaii. And I was like, that that was not expecting to see in Hawaii. Like you see OU and you see, you know, Bama stuff everywhere you go. But it's very rare to see, you know, Oklahoma State stuff in, you know, in, in crazy places. So just was curious of what you thought your, your craziest or oddest Oklahoma State sighting was. Thank you, boys, for what you do. Looking forward to listening to you. And, uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Is that the best off-season question we've ever had? I mean, it's up there. That is that is an awesome question, Lou. Thank you for sending an audio one in, too. We love those. Kate, I, I was trying to think after I got the gist of the question from Lou. I don't know if I have these logged in my brain very um, well. And that's okay. I... I mean, I, I am not a world traveler. You you are. And so if you've <laughs> never seen anything that like jumps out to you, I'll say it's not one that I've observed with my own eyes, but there is this. So Sophie Turner, I mean, Game of Thrones, everybody loves Sophie Turner, right? Yeah. Not, not, not oh, me. Yeah, I know, I know in, what you're in talking case about. My wife, I know what you're talking in case about. my wife is listening to this podcast, I'm just <laughs> simply pointing out what I believe <laughs> others believe. Um there is a photo of Sophie Turner in an Oklahoma State rugby shirt. Yes. That has to be maybe the most abnormal thing I've seen. But I didn't, again, that's not something I saw with my own eyes. But when Lou was asking the question, that jumped into my mind. So I I, I don't know. Yeah. You know, the the Stillwater Bar in New York City where they have the Eskimo I thought Jones about Cups, that. thought about that's that. That's really cool. Obviously been there and seen that that was really cool i can't think of any Cade. just like off the top of my head i've been shouted go pokes to me before because normally my go-to airport attire on the way home from a trip i'm normally wearing an oklahoma state tee or hat or something like that when i'm just tired and don't want to you know do anything to my hair and put a hat on i've gotten go pokes shouted at me but those were mostly in airports i did this is an oklahoma state but the amount of people that 
recognized Oklahoma and correlated it to the Oklahoma City Thunder when my wife and I were in Portugal was unreal. You know, showing <laughs> my ID at the hotel, stayed in a couple of different hotels, multiple wow. people, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, because this was back then. Uh, I had ba- my bag tag that shows like my address and everything was an Oklahoma City Thunder. Got multiple comments about that. And I actually got pulled over driving, going down a bus only lane. Driving down the, the right side of the road. I the get it. first thing the police officer says to me is Oklahoma City Thunder when he sees my driver's <laughs> license. So that has always kind of stuck in my brain because I know they were, you know, they're a team that made it you know, to the NBA finals made it to the conference finals multiple times, had one of the best players of all time, even though I hate him and Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook and MVP triple double records. I know that, that it is, that is big time. And, but just Oklahoma city being the size it is and being in a foreign country like that, that isn't one of that I normally associate with basketball really kind of stood out to me. Yeah. I mean, like I lived in Connecticut. I feel like at some point I probably ran into somebody in a Oklahoma state shirt, but I don't remember that. So Lou, I'm sorry. I would actually love to hear though. This is a great like opportunity for listeners to like tweet at us. What's your craziest OSU sighting? Cause I'm sure there's one. Um, I'm sure there's one Dustin. I'm looking at our anchor here. I never got this notification and you didn't either. We have another one. Are you, do you want to hear oh. this? Yeah, let's do it. Hey guys, Kyle Boone here, longtime listener, first time caller. Curious as a spoof of Bill Simmons and he can't quit you all stars. Who is a football player or a recruit with OSU you never gave up on and believed in, even if it didn't totally work out as planned? Uh, for me, it's a tie between, I think, Ronald Jones and Tremont Moore. I always felt like uh, in an alternate universe, Jones was the next Barry Sanders. And more was the next Russell Okun. I feel like it still haunts me to this day. Anyway, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Kyle, you sent that a long time ago, my friend. I am sorry. I never saw it until right this moment. So that's wild. So apologies for that. It's a great question. I didn't see that either. That is a great question. I have an answer like off the top of my head. There is a tweet from about 13-year-old, 15-year-old Cade Webb that has Wes Lunt and Heisman in the same sentence. So that would be my answer. Wes Lunt is a really, really, really good one. I was trying to think of a, like a wide receiver or somebody like that, that was just kind of always, I mean, I had. You were John Paul guy. (laughs) Well, one of the, one of the guys that, when when they picked him up in the transfer portal that I was really jacked about was D Anderson coming from LSU and he oh, never did wow. anything. anything. And then he got some hype with NFL teams with doing some workouts and then just have never really heard from him again. So I think D Anderson, I, another one, Jeff Carr was a favorite of mine at running back. Never really did anything in Oklahoma state, you know, got in a few times, but Westlawn is a great one. I mean, you could you could name off a lot of football yeah, players. Is... I know Kyle named two that were really highly touted recruits that are obviously guys that didn't end up turning out, working out. But yeah, I, CJ Moore. I think on the offensive side. Yeah, yes. CJ Moore is a great. That's who I was trying to think of. CJ Moore is a great one, Cade. Thank you for helping yeah, me there. CJ I was, Moore. I was like, there was a receiver recently <laughs> that I cannot think of the name. Yeah, defensively, it's hard. I feel like Oklahoma State has like developed well there and they haven't necessarily landed the blue chip prospect and not worked out like Kendall Daniels is one of the best recruits in quite some time on the defensive side and he's turning out great so I don't actually have a good answer for that Dustin on on that side of the ball I'm I'm struggling yeah I think I think mine's just offense off the top of my head I I, that's a great question it's an awesome question Kyle thanks man that's really good stuff all right, we'll hit a few more, Cade. We've got Joshua Hawkins at J7 Hawkins. He said, with the newfound optimism surrounding the men's basketball team following the Miranda commitment, what is your ceiling for this team as it's currently constructed? And he suggests, I think he's asking for where we think they'll land in the Big 12 because he says fourth in the Big 12. Oof, that feels high. <laughs> I would say my ceiling would probably be 
fifth or sixth. That's where I'm And at. that would still get you into the tournament, I believe, because I think I, Iowa State and TCU were in a tie for that fifth, sixth team, and they both made the tournament. So that would probably be my ceiling, and I know that seems maybe pessimistic, but the Big 12 is – you say it all the time. The Big 12 is really good, and this team hasn't made the tournament. And I, 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 I need to see it. They just put Houston and Cincinnati in the conference. Those yeah. are two like good. I mean, Houston was a one seed, guys. So I, I, I love the optimism. But for Oklahoma State to be fourth, they need to finish above the likes of Kansas State, TCU, Texas, Iowa State. Because I think your top three this year is Houston, Kansas, Baylor. It usually is, and like yeah. I don't see four. I actually think. Your ceiling is like six or seven. Yeah, I think six is the top of the ceiling at, at this point. I, I, it's just, I love the guys coming in. I love the young guys. I just gotta see it. it I would just blindly be basing it off of just pure orange optimism into my veins. Yeah, yeah, which we have that. I'm yes, which I do do that a lot. Yes, Joe's so. cup right now. So absolutely. <laughs> All right, next we've got Corbett Klein at Corbett Klein. He says if Oklahoma State has another overall athletics year like it did this year with no changes like pitching coach offensive coordinator men's basketball coach would it be fair to question if the ad is doing his job at the level needed he said he liked the drawing of the athletic village but those have that stuff hasn't started yet either kid if if you don't mind if i take this one first i think for football easily if the offense performs, you said another overall year, so I'm going to compare it to the season, football season last year. If the offense, and you said offensive coordinator, performs like it did last year statistically, with all the injuries that happened last year, and even if those injuries happen again, I think we're deeper this year on offensive line, things of that nature, which we talked about earlier on this podcast, then yes, I think you do have to take a hard look at Casey Dunn as offensive coordinator because the rushing attack last year was terrible. And We've heard they're making changes. I saw it at practice with some of the different scheme stuff they're doing, bringing new guys in, guys getting healthy. That was one of their worst offensive seasons running the ball that I can remember. If you do that again, then yes, I think you do have to take a look. And same with men's basketball. If they miss the tourney again, we, you and I have said on this podcast, I think Mike Boynton's seat is scorching hot. And like I mentioned earlier, you could talk me into pitching coach this year. Yeah. Dustin, everything you said there is exactly what I think. I uh, there was already chatter of this all that th right now. There is. You turn on sports radio, they might be talking about this right now. So I think it's personally too early. But yeah, I mean, if you have it was mediocre across the board outside of softball and kind of baseball. Like baseball is not where you want it to be. So yes, if because again, the caveat is with no changes. I don't see that how that happens at all. I mean, I don't. I don't think that there's a chance of that. If this goes the way it did this year, where you have no changes, there's no way of that. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. Okay, we'll hit a couple more, Kate. If that's cool with you, we yeah, got yeah. Orange Vision Vision at Orange underscore or at underscore Orange VZN underscore. What games are you most excited for for next football season? Also, what are you hearing for the final scholarship spot for basketball? Kate, I can I can answer some of my favorites on football and kick it to yeah. you for basketball, and yeah. you can also give me some of your favorites. Arizona State, I know I'm going to that one, so I think that one will be a lot of fun in Arizona, fun college town, cool city, being by Phoenix and everything like that. So Friday night at home against K-State I think will be cool. Final Bedlam. And then another one that I think will be interesting – is BYU as the last game at home? I think it's going to feel like a home bowl game this yeah. first time we play them. So I think those are some of my four favorites, and I'll kick it over to you. I would say I can't wait for Cincinnati for homecoming. I just feel like it's going to be a 2.30, like, sunny day kickoff type game. I, I'm very excited for that one. Going to Arizona State is going to be fun, I think. Uh, and then I'll say going to Houston. I, I, I'm excited for that. Um what they're going to do with the final scholarship for basketball, it's been a little quiet on that front. I do think they're going to fill it. I, I still maintain that. I feel really confident in that. But I don't have a guy or a scenario to point to to say 
yeah, this is going to happen. Like I, the NBA draft thing, like that I kept hinting at kind of knew that Miranda was a guy that they were at least hot on. I don't really have that right now. So could be somebody that comes along like Tyreek Smith and Bryce Thompson did, but it's getting a little bit late. I mean, the new guys are on campus now. So this, this needs to happen fast if it's gonna. All right, Kate, we'll do two more. I think that'll almost get us to all the questions. One of them's quick. And then this one, I can just give an update on glory. Cowboy at go Rick Sankar says, do you know of any of any update to all the injured players in spring? Dalton Cooper, Shetron, Aiden Kelly. So my understanding is Shetron was with Bowman. And I've also heard, I believe it was from Robert Allen on his radio show that Shetron has fully recovered. The injury was not as serious as they first thought after surgery and everything. I believe it was his wrist. I said he was in a sprint sling when I saw him at practice, but I believe he's fully ready to go. Cooper, as far as I know, is ready to go. Another one that I heard on the radio Robert Allen said he talked to him. He said he's going through all the workouts. And Aiden Kelly, I think he's cleared. But with Kelly, I think it's more of a, he didn't get to practice at all in the spring and he still hasn't really played that much in game. So I'm just not sure if, I just don't know when he's going to crack the rotation. So I know all the guys are healthy. They're ready to go. I think you're looking at 100% healthy at heading into workouts with some minor dings and bruises here as far as i know so we'll just be kind of moving forward with that much better spot than last season no question i can't wait to see dalton cooper i mean maybe outside of like deshaun stripling and alan bowman one of the guys i'm most excited to watch this year 100 agree and then our last one i referenced this one earlier caleb spangler at cs spangler underscore osu over under on six and a half wins. What's your total wins prediction? Kate, I'm going over and I said nine, I believe, last time we talked. I you could talk me into ten. You could talk me into Jerry World. I I, I really am I high it. on this team and this situation. All offseason they're gonna be talking about nobody believes in us. That usually bodes well for Mike Gundy. You've heard these platitudes. I don't need to rehash them over. It's the lock of the century. Over. I love it. I, I, I'm there as well. I, I think, you know, like I said, Caesars in Las Vegas, you can get it at six. Well, while you're out there, will you just hit that for me? That'd be great. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes, right. I can do that. Guys, thank you so much, as always, for sending those in. Apologies for last week. We ran into some scheduling conflicts, but I think we did 90% of them just now. So, I know we skipped a we skipped a couple where there were some stats we didn't have time to look up, and I think I might have missed one in the DMs. So apologies, guys, but we'll continue to hit these. We'll continue to keep the podcast around this kind of hour hour fifteen range. And Cade, thanks as always. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate you running us through this thing. Love the news and notes as always. Love the engagement from all of our fantastic listeners. We're going to get through the offseason together. That might be my motto this year. I feel like this one's going to be long, but we're we're almost there, I, I also feel like. So, Dustin, thank you for everything that you do. Thank you to our amazing listeners. If you're not already, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at FeelsLike45Pod. You can follow Dustin at DustRagu, and you can follow me at Cade Webb. We will see you guys back here next week. Go Pokes.